thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words then maybe it's not true Good afternoon, welcome to NUFC Matters, the professionals, the second helping of the show today. Good afternoon, Mitch. Good afternoon, Stu. Sorry, Mitch. Sorry. <laughs> Good to see you, lads. And uh, as always, plenty to talk about in the next hour. Um, let's focus on the game. First of all, Mitch, 2-2. Uh, was it a point earned or two points dropped? In the end, two dropped for me. Uh, frustrating. We didn't seem to have... The energy levels at times that word used to see in. Um, and I think we're fair play at Leeds, at least they kept going. That wasn't the Leeds that capitulated twice at home and conceded 11 goals in a week. Uh, you know, that, that was a, a Leeds set up to do one thing, and it was quite obvious. And I think my first gripe is the referee should have got hold of that earlier on. I don't know how many fouls they made in the first 12 minutes. But it was quite clear that the, the the mindset was we're going to kick lumps out here. And the referee let them do it and let them do it for so long. Um, the irony that we were the first team to pick a yellow card up certainly wasn't lost on me. You know, um, and, and so they got away with that one. Um, but we, we should be big enough and bad enough to handle that. And then we proved we were. We got it back and then we got ahead. And it was frustrating to let that lead slip. Um as ever, though, trying to keep the positive spin on, I'll always take a point away from home in the Premier League. Particularly when you're going to a team who, quite rightly, should be fighting for their lives. Um, there ain't no easy fixtures when it comes to stuff like that. So, um, but it feels like two dropped. I've got to say, sitting here in the cold light of the afternoon, or the warm light in the afternoon as it is in the Middle East. Um, and, uh, yeah, it does have the feeling of two drops to me. Yeah, Stu, Tim. Yeah, I agree with, totally with Mitch. I was going to start with the referee's performance. I think he needed to be stronger from the start. I, I think there was three fouls in the first minute. And if he'd put a yellow card out straight away, it would have nipped it in the bud. And to me, he was playing the crowd on the occasion rather than actually refereeing the game. Because there was some, some of them were quite cynical as well. Uh, worthy of yellow cards. And it was bizarre how we got the first yellow, wasn't it? It was like, how does that work out? But uh, we actually, that, we actually we, said that to each other on the table watching in Brooklyn. But we picked the first yellow up, and that was after about 20 minutes. And <laughs> that was his eggs. It was good, like, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, the game started as we expected, it was like leaves going hell for leather, and you know, but I, I thought if we could weather that storm and uh, they would have blown themselves out. I really thought they would have. And similar to Everton, I thought our class would take over. And as it happened, we went to goal behind. We showed a lot of resolution and a lot of fight, I thought, to call way back in the game. And we didn't panic, which is something us as supporters should take heed of as well. Uh, it's, it's not panic. They knew they had better quality. They carved the chance out. They got the lead. Uh, and it was a deflection that got them back in it. So we could point the finger at... Was it the right decisions to bring people on or take people off at the times they were doing? But the way the, the season's gone, I, I think the, the most important thing yesterday and probably the last few games has highlighted or exposed is our lack of quality cover in the field. So I think that should be our 
first area that we should be looking to target in, in the summer, in the transfer window. And it is quality that we need, not just quality, because we could still easily add John Joe Shelby on the bench yesterday. And would he have made a positive impact if he, if he came on? I wouldn't have thought so. So if we take a, a step back and look at how the game is and how the league table is now, you've got us, then Man United, then Liverpool, pick your position and it would be us every day of the week. So we shouldn't be panicking, we shouldn't be throwing our toys out the pram. It's it's new for this group of players, it's new for a lot of our supporters, to be fair, to be in this position. And and it's, to me, it's reminiscent of the stealing Braveheart. You know, when the, the English are charging and he's shouting, hold, hold! <laughs> and then, because, you know, there's, there's a lot more of the English, like, just say there's a lot more of the Man United and Liverpool fans and a lot more of the shall we say, favours that gets done at uh, Stokesley Park in, in their, for their benefit. But we've got the quality and even if we win or, sorry, even if we don't win on Thursday, we're still two games away from getting into the Champions League and that's what we need to remember. Uh, but I'm sure Thursday we'll talk about later on. But to me, it was, it was a game that, had we got the first goal, I think we would have run away with it and Leeds themselves, that was probably their best support of the season. It was probably one of their better performance of the season. And, and that's what we have to take. We we had more than enough to win it. We didn't. We drew, and that's it. We just have to accept it and then look forward to the next game. Yeah, lots of uh, comments coming in, so uh, we'll stay with the Leeds game for now. Uh, David Cook says, uh, sorry, I can't make the live today, but what are your views on the issues with security at Leeds? And how it should have been dealt with. Thanks, I'll catch up tonight. Thanks, David. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we saw Eddie Howe uh, approached by a fan who managed to make it approximately 400 yards along the touchline before you know anyone got a hold of him. And the first people to get a hold of him, Mitch, when you Castle United security. Well, staff. guys, I, so I mean, um, what, what does that say? I made a comment on social media about it, and I've been accused of being over sensationalizing it, I've been accused of uh, being making it a drama. Um, but it, this is a problem not just at Leeds, it's a problem in football. We had it last season, we had it last season at Everton, where someone managed to get onto the pitch and tie himself to a post without being stopped. Um, now, what, what I then brought into the discussion on my Twitter comment was, what if the lad had had a knife on him? And I've been, you know, to, oh, but what if you had donuts and what if you had a bunch of flowers? Yeah, what if? But that incident at Everton last season showed there was a lad in the crowd with a knife handing it to a steward to say, use this to cut the ties. And that means there's just as much chance of a knife being in the crowd at Leeds. At St. James's Park, let's not hold ourselves higher than holier than now than everybody else. There's a good chance that could be there in there as well. Um, and we need to be aware of security. And I think the other thing that stands out to me is I would like to see the football authorities sit down with the police and talk to this lad and say, what are your motivations? What drove you to do that? And I'd lay money on this. Nikasi United, we already know, are held to a different level of accountability by the press. And some of the things they've been saying about us since the takeover are frankly um, abhorrent and ignorant. This last two weeks we've had the whole Mad Dog Tyndall and Dark Arts thing built up and built up and built up in the press. I would like to know 
was that behind the motivation that made that gentleman go and do what he did? And if it is, then the press and other managers of other teams, Klopp, Arteta, Frank, to name a few, need to be held to account to what they say about other managers and what drama they build that build, brings things to a head where somebody feels they're entitled to jump onto the field of play, run a 400 yards down the touchline and physically, um, you know, put his hands on Eddie Howe. It's not just about Leeds. It's not It's, it's not just a Leeds problem, even though that says their security must stink. I'm sorry. If the, if the first people to, to them are the lads in our dugout, then there's something wrong at Leeds. Like last year, there was something wrong at Leeds with the turnstiles that was brought up to them. But I think that's a problem probably in an older ground. Now, interestingly, Goodison's an older ground too, and there's similar problems there. So perhaps there's something needs to be looked at. It's a football problem. It's not just a, uh, a Leeds problem, and it's not just about Newcastle United. It's a, potentially a societal problem as well. But, you know, we've had evidence that last year fans in their droves on the pitch at Crystal Palace having a go there. Uh, or was it who, who was it had a good Vieira? Was Palace, was Palace, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and so Vieira got, got complimented. Yeah. yeah, so you know, we've got um this situation where people obviously feel they can run under the pitch with gear abandoned, and that's not the case. Um but I'd like to know what that individual's motivations were and what drove him to that. Because I'm quite sure some of the way about the way things have been put over by the press about Newcastle United, about tactics and about time wasting, etc., etc., will be in the mix in there, and people need to be held to account for that. Mm, I mean, I, I was bigger belief. I wondered whether he'd confused him for Sam Allardyce. Um, must be strong beer down there, or Leeds fans can't take that beer. One of the two. But I just, I, I did find it strange. The one positive, uh, you know, Mitch. Um, is that obviously the banned them for you know banned them for life, which is which is great. Stu, your your take on this um, this guy and the security aspect? Well, I was more along with uh, the kind words Mitch used by referring to him as a gentleman or an individual. The guy's a knacker, and that's it. Yeah. That's the, the support. I'm not Mitch. The not me moments. Mitch again is bang on the money. Well, he's, he's talking about the the press with the inflammatory comments and it stokes it up. But that we can look for reasons and look for excuses. But uh, thankfully, whatever he was trying to achieve, he didn't. I mean, Eddie Howe looked amused, didn't he? But he turned around like, what are you doing? Uh, thankfully, we had uh, security in our dugout that dealt with it very swiftly, shall we say, once, once they're aware of the problem. But no one should be able to get along that far to to get to any, any dugout, whether it's ours, whether it's Leeds, whether any team in the... Because it's a sport at the end of the day, it's, and I know passions run high, but there's no excuse for what the guys did. The, now, what, what does it take? I mean, what we need now is the Premier League, or not just the Premier League, the FA, to be proactive rather than reactive. Do we have to wait till someone is physically assaulted or hurt, or it gets to the tennis situation where Monica Sellers got stabbed? You know what I mean? I know that could be. People say, oh, you're just backing your mate up, blowing things out of proportion. But it could quite easily have been that. You know, and, and because it wasn't, we should be thankful and grateful that it wasn't. But 
what we have to do is ensure or try and limit the opportunity of it happening again. Uh, and and to people want to keep going but until the fences come up and get the fences back up. Uh, is that the is that the answer? Surely the, there has to be a way. Ban the guy for life. I know people who have been banned for life from stadiums and they're still getting. You know, there's there's no way you can really stop that. Uh, I think we'll probably monitor it for the first few games or some of next season. We'll give it two or three years. That guy will be back in in, in Leeds. Someone else will buy him a ticket. Whether it's an e-ticket, whether it's a paper ticket, they'll buy him a ticket. And he just scans it and gets in. It's so that the to be a custodial sentence and maybe it's a, a harsher one than normal would be the answer. And that should set the precedent for others uh, who are thinking about doing it. We've all lost the rags at the game. We all get uh, sucked into the emotion of it. But most of us have the brains not to run the pitch and, and uh, approach an opposing um, manager or player or official because it can only lead to one thing. You know, if Eddie Howard reacted badly, there was to stop the, the lads swinging their hand at him. You know, so it, it has to it has to stop. Uh, and Zokia seeing the police have arrested him banned for life, that should be the, the start of his problems, not the not the end of it. To me, he, he needs to get some jail time and then, like I say, that sends a message out to anyone else who's contemplating doing something similar. Mm-hmm. OK, uh, John Askew uh, often asks questions on the show. He's got uh, a couple here. He goes, afternoon, everyone. Uh, lads, considering the excellent season we've had and the position we're currently in, how disappointing would it be if we didn't finish in the top four? And he says, is our main problem at the, the lack of cohesion in midfield due partly to Longstaff's absence? And if so, what's the best solution? Could Anderson have an important part to play? Um, you know, it's, it's, an, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, other people suggesting perhaps that, um, you know, we look a bit leggy. Gary, Gary Millick and Mitch is saying, I thought we looked leggy. Wilson and Isaac doesn't really work. We haven't scored against Leeds in open play. It's taken two penalties. Um, the other thing was Roger Cook suggesting that it was... Slightly, um, you know, it, it's a bit like 95, 96. Uh, Beresford said that the, the, the stress was the reason that we, we didn't win the league that season. Barry says, uh, by Mitch, Stu, Steve, do you think the chance of qualifying for Champions League is putting additional pressure on the team? We've gone from seeing how high we can get to all this stuff about getting extra money. So lots of people, lots of people with lots of, you know, concerns. You know, it's, it's squeaky bum time, but at the, uh, the right end of the table. And... It's it's like Hansel and Gretel. Everybody's dropping a bait everywhere. You know, it, it's still in our hands. It's still in our control. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case in 95, 96, once it went past a certain point. Because we got the game in hand and we got the points on the board. In 95, 96, we had the points on the board, but Man United had the games in hand. And you've got to have two things to happen in a situation like that. You need somebody to, to drop off and form, but you also need a juggernaut chasing you. And I know everybody's looking at Liverpool because they've had a hell of a run, but they've got to keep a run going that they haven't been able to do all season. And we've got to go on the kind of run that we haven't had all season. Um, I do think we looked a little leggy yesterday. Um, we've said all along that numbers in midfield was a potential problem. Um, I don't think they've fully worked out what they're doing with Isaac and Wilson together. And I don't think they've quite fully worked out whose responsibility is what when Longstaff's out of the side. Uh, And I think having the combination of those two things 
is why we looked a little disjointed. I also think we missed the directness of Murphy yesterday on the right-hand side. I think Almiron having to cut back onto his left and cut inside, A, narrowed the field of play and that suited them, uh, and B, it slowed her down a couple of times. And it's certainly the case that Almiron's not hit the same form he was being in when he uh, when he's at the start of the season, when he's come back in. Um, whereas Murphy seems to be in form. And I think we did miss his directness yesterday. I think that would have put a different pressure on the wing back uh, and centre back on that side. And probably would have, you know, uh, pulled them back a bit more. But also it's worth remembering, I don't know what you guys had on commentary, but we had we, we were suffering Jim Beglin again with, with yep. our feed. Who he really is a serial Newcastle United here. There, I don't know who, who the hell from Newcastle shagged his missus or what have you, but he's, he's not a happy bunny when he comments on us. But at one point in the game, he even said <laughs> he was was impressed with Leeds and how Allardyce said that I, I managed to get them organised into a flat back nine. And so that tells you a lot about what was happening during the game. Um, and I do just think we missed a little bit of directness. And I think the combination that he had on the pitch didn't quite do that at times yesterday. But again, you come back to it, we had the chances, we had the possession, we should have really put it away. And that's why it genuinely does feel like two points drop. What's your views on on what those people have had to say? Say a lot of a lot of people panicking, but you know, you can understand why. It's it, it is a tense part of the season. Newcastle, you know, chasing Champions League and you know, I think what people forget is that they do tend to forget that we've we've come from being relegation candidates year in year out. We, what's not really been mentioned this weekend is <coughs> secure the Europa League place. We are going to be in the Europa League, whether we, you know, yeah. if we do qualify for the Champions League. That's where we're going to be. We're finished. We can't finish any lower than fifth now. And from our perspective, that's a hell of a turnaround, Stu. Whatever happens, we should be celebrating this weekend. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure. Well, I know I said at the start of the season we'd finish fifth, but I'd be disappointed if we did now. Um, but if I was being selfish, um, without or being selfish, just putting myself first, not the club, then uh, Europa League would suit me down to the ground because that means it's on a Thursday night and I work Sundays to Thursdays generally, so I would just need to take one day off work to go to some European away games. But... I'm more than happy to take extra time off work and uh, extra travels for us to be in the Champions League. And I honestly, genuinely believe we will be in the Champions League. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, ask Liverpool or Manchester United would they swap positions with us? And it would be a huge hell yes. There, there wouldn't even be a debate about it. Of course, they would swap positions with us. Uh, I had a conversation with Mitch prior to the game yesterday. Um, and we're talking about long stuff. And him missing, and it's it's great that you recognise sometimes when you're not there, what you're not appreciating when you are there. And I was one of the ones at the start of the season who said that Longstaff should look to go alone. He's not going to be a regular, and he's he's proved me wrong. And I'm more than happy with that because his performance has been outstanding. But I don't think the last when he's been missing, his him personally has affected the performance. It's his piece of that jigsaw. Because it changes the dynamic a lot. You have other people trying to fill his role. Uh, and the way that Willett and Joe were forming a partnership down the left, that was very, very strong. One would go, one would stay, etc. And now with Joe coming into the middle, 
and it's like, does he sit or is it Bruno that's sitting? And one of them has to then cover the right side and, and Willick's now having to be playing further back than he normally is because we know that he does these long bursts and runs, but he can't be doing that because he's actually in front of him. And it was, it's, then that exposes burn. So it, the conundrum gets bigger by just taking one piece out. And the same would happen if it had been Trippier that was missing or if it was Botman that was missing or Bruno that was missing. But it, it's kudos to show Longstaff that the fact that him missing has shown his importance to the team. And at least he'll get the appreciation. But we don't want his appreciation at the you know, at the cost of not getting at the Champions League. So I know Barry asked, uh, is the thought of extra money stressing them? If someone said to me, if you do better work, we'll give you a big bonus. That wouldn't stress us, that would excite us. You know, it would push us further. And I don't think it's putting Newcastle players off. Um, you know, you'd, you'd probably need a sports psychologist to study it. And whether we finish in the top four, so when we finish in the top four, you get the sports psychologist saying it was new, it was exciting, it was a journey that we're on together, and that's why they achieved it. And if they finish fifth, they'll try and rubbish it and say that they bottled it. And they're in a no-win situation, but the one thing Newcastle have had all season, in fact, since Eddie Howe took over, it's a siege mentality. So when the, the chips have been down, they've regrouped and they've come out battling for each other. Uh, and if certain people aren't top of the game, the others can cover. And we could have quite easily won that yesterday. We didn't. We've got three more games, two wins out of those three games that we cannot be caught. And you can see, we start with that on Thursday. So we, we can pull fault with yesterday. We can rip it apart and dissect it to the nth degree. But ultimately, we were playing a team that was fighting for the lives, and that creates a different type of energy as well. So, if we take that, get a win with two home games, we still haven't been beaten off teams, uh, you know, like in the bottom half. So, Leicester should be, uh, you don't like to see a foregone conclusion, but if Liverpool beat them tomorrow, they're as good as gone anyway. So, they'll come to us with the tails between the legs next Monday. Uh, as long as we have a positive result on Thursday, whether that be a draw or a win, then we, we win against Leicester. It's in, it's in our hands. So I, I don't understand the, the mass hysteria about, oh, that's it, they're going to throw it away. We're still sitting in third. Even after yesterday's game, no matter if Manchester United won 20 out, they couldn't have caught us. That's how big the goal difference is. So that's worth an extra point in itself anyway. And we all know at this time of year, as Ferguson referred to his squeaky bum time, there's many twists and turns, and I'm sure there'll be more to come. So we just have to, as I mentioned about Braveheart getting the Scottish beating English in there, but as I mentioned, they just need to hold on of, go out there with the confidence. And that was a bit missing yesterday, the confidence to, to take the shots, where in the, in the last few games they've been peppering the goals, they seem to be wanting to create the perfect goal again. And that can come from a bit slight anxiety. They don't want to be the one losing it. But the old adage, if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the raffle. And that's where Murphy comes in well, because he will take a shot. He will yeah. hit the byline. Lost his internet there a little bit. We'll take him out until he gets it back. But we've got the gist of what Stu was trying to say there. Um, from from our perspective, um, I, I felt as well that Leeds played well. I know that's what Stu was trying to get across there with his point. But, you know, it was, you know, Leeds came... Um, with a game plan, which you mentioned at the start, which was to kick us up a height, try and get us, you know, try and get us, you know, rattled. 
Um, referee let that go a little bit, I felt, yesterday. I yeah. mean, the first booking was for, you know, uh, diving and Bruno, which, you know, the poor guy had been hit, you know, constantly without punishment for the best part of the first half. Yeah, there, was a, there was a point, like I say, I'm sure it was something like 12 or 13 minutes in. Yeah. And we were looking at each other thinking, how many titles are these going to get away with? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was eight. Yeah. I counted. Yeah. It was eight. Right, you know, and that was crazy, and 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 the referee was not strong enough at all. Um, let them get away with it. Made a you know rod for his own back with it all. Um, yes, they eventually had somebody sent off for two yellows, but I mean the the second the handball second one, yeah, it's a penalty, but I can't see why that's a why that's a yellow card personally. But uh, maybe I just don't understand refereeing anymore. <laughs> um, but, I, think, well, I think we're all in the same boat uh, you know I, and I said to Ben Jacobs earlier on today I said you know what, referees are human they're going to make mistakes um, technology and all that we know is there but it's humans at the end of it it's, it's, it's ex-referees at the end of it so we're, we're never really going to solve it and it's that horrible saying that, that's there it's always there. It, it balances out, you know, over over the over over a season. I was just saying we need to give Leeds a bit of credit, Stu, before you yeah. you, know, you down. You know, Leeds Leeds give it a good go yesterday. They took the game to us. The high press, yeah. the pushed us, the harassed us, and you know, and the referees. You know, the the referees' reluctance to clamp down on fouls in the first half just encouraged them. You know what I mean? And the first book and it said it all. The first book and yesterday was for Bruno diving. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple. Of, if you take a couple of percent off Newcastle performance, that's the sort of performance you get. Is what we got yesterday. Yeah, yeah, true. Really small margins, and and so you can't criticise them too, too much. And not that you are, but uh, we've seen it, uh, especially on social media. That there, there needs to be a bit of perspective where you think, right, we're sitting third in the league. We've got three games left. Yes, every single one of us would have taken that, but that's not an excuse for yesterday not winning. What was it? The, the reasons for yesterday not winning was the occasion. Uh, it's not Sam Allardyce to a point, but all he's done is he's rallied the troops. He's, he's created a war cry, and the players responded. But we've both discussed there that had the referee been harder at the start instead of lenient, the game would have been different anyway. So you start thinking like how many times they're going to kick before they do, and then when they do give a yellow card, you start thinking there was worse than that. You know, and, and unless. Unless the president set early doors, then it will, you, you can't blame the Leeds players. The crowd got behind them, which is fair enough. We're, we're famous for our crowd getting behind us. And 2-2 away to Leeds is probably before the game. I'm sure everyone would have said we'd win, but we didn't. But we didn't get beat. And the, the bit I was saying before it got cut off was about Murphy. If he'd been playing, he'd be taking shots from 20, 25 yards and then you'd have Isaac and Wilson there to snaffle up the early rebounds that come our way. So that could be something, but he didn't even come off the bench either, did he? So you, you start thinking, is he one of the ones that was referred to as possibly carrying a, a slight injury? So come Thursday, I'm sure Eddie Howe will put the best team on the pitch to win that game. And we all know Brighton will pass and they'll be very quick with the ball around our midfield. We've just got to come up with a plan to beat them. But we should have beat them at their place. So they're not all that, you know. Everton quite, quite the uh, humbled them last week. So 
there's not, nothing to fear. More teams, the team, three teams we've got left should fear us more than we're fearing them. And that's mm. the attitude mentality that we need going into these games. We are third for a reason. We're third after 35 games because on the course of that season, we are the third best team in the league. And we just got to finish it off. Yeah, I can see I can see Brighton being really tight. I mean, I went 2-1 against Leeds. I thought would win, but I thought it would be a tight game and it proved to be. And I wasn't surprised at 2-2. I think Brighton will be a similar game. Um, and, and you just got to hope that the fans get behind the team and don't have that kind of air of, you know, if it doesn't go right in the first 10 or 15 minutes, that, you know, we, we don't just suddenly die a death in the ground and, you know, it becomes one of those tense games where it passes on to the players because that's the, the benefit of the crowd when they're on the on the, on the the back of the opposition and the back of the officials is that, you know, the, the team feed off that, but the feed, the team can feed off negativity as well. It's a huge thing. Yes. It's a huge thing. I, 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 I honestly think, you know, that, you know, it's it's going to go to the wire this. It could go to the Chelsea game, but we will wait and see. Okay, we're halfway through the show already. Uh, we'll have a quick ad break. We'll be back after this. A big shout out to all our sponsors. Thanks to Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pays you go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources, handmade in Cumbria. You can order them from their website, mrvicky's.co.uk, or by calling 01768 210102. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video technology. Thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Wallsend, Newcastle. If you enjoy the show, please hit the little thumb under the video and like the video. Click share to share to your other social media or subscribe. Um, it's free and we do seven shows a week. If you want to become a member, you can click join underneath this video. There are different packages to suit all different pockets. And if you want to become a cult member, then put your smartphone over the QR code. It'll take you straight there to the website, which is nufcmatters.com. If you go in via the website, just click membership pack. What do you get for your money? You get a pen, you get a cup, get a membership card and a scarf and entry into the monthly draw. Don't forget, we are available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. And we also support the food bank on this show. NUFCfansfoodbank.co.uk is where you'll find the match day bucket. You can make a virtual donation today. We've also got some events coming up over the next couple of months. An evening with Peter Beardsley at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets available from newcastlelegends.com. Or go to Woucher and get a 40% discount. Our end of season due is the 27th of May at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets are at tenner from nufcmatters.com. An evening with Gavin Peacock takes place on July the 10th at Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets from nufcmatters.com for that event. And the following night, Gavin will be at the Timehouse Surf Cafe. Go to their website for ticket information. We've got a vast range of t-shirts, merchandise and memorabilia available on our website. The Ezak t-shirt is doing well. Go to nufcmatters.com to buy one a day. Tom Dixon says, I don't think Isaac and Wilson starting together works. I think Howe finds it difficult leaving one out, uh, but he has to. Um, I, I mean, it's it, it, it's up to where he is. He knows what he sees in training. Um, I think he made a mistake not taking 
Isaac off. I think Isaac has a tendency to look a little bit leggy when he starts a game towards the last 15, 20 minutes. And I think Wilson was buzzing yesterday. He just scored two pressure penalties. He was holding the, holding the line, um, giving their defenders a bit of uh, work to do. I genuinely felt maybe he should have left Wilson on yesterday. And, you know, he's he scored a couple of goals in a couple of games. He, he would have been itching to get that hat-trick and he looked disappointed coming off again, Mitch. Yeah, but he's also a player who regularly proves that he's got marshmallow muscles and licorice ligaments and he needs his game management his minutes managed. I get all sorts him. of injuries. Yeah, and, and, and it does seem to be when he gets fatigued. <laughs> I know. I could. I could hold it only just so long. Um, yeah, you know, he, he he gets fatigued, and when he gets fatigued, that's when he picks these annoying injuries that seem to then go on and on and on. So you've got a fine balance to make. Um, do you start them? Do you take them off? Do we go with just one? Because there's times when he's had to keep both on. It's changed games forward. So, do we use that as an impact tactic? But then we're showing my hand, opposition managers, when he sat on the bench, that well, when he eventually comes on, we're going to plan B in the impact tactic. So, uh, up Eddie Howe, got to trust him. He knows the players better than anyone. Uh, if he says today's the day to play both, then we'll run with it and get excited about it. And if he says today's the day to sit one on the bench, then we can sit and let my mouth water at the prospect of somebody coming off the bench who make real impact and make a difference, I guess. Trying to put positive spins on it, it's it's we need to try and keep with um with as much positivity around the place as we can. Because everybody is jumpy and itchy, and I understand that, totally understand that. We we've we've done sensationally this season. Um if you were to say to us, uh at the start of the season, you can finish fifth and get to the Carabao Cup final. Would that do you? I think would have snapped everybody's hands off. I don't think it's revisionist to say that if we're, that's where we end up, we can all be, we've all got to be happy with that because what aspirations and expectations have been changed by the actions of the players and by the actions of Eddie Howe. And they're, aspirations and expectations have probably changed too. They want it as well. Because I'm damn sure as a player, if they, you know, you get the opportunity to take yourself into the Champions League, you'd, you'd, you're playing at the Europeans' top table. And so, um, yeah, we've just got to keep as positive as we can because it's still in our own hands. Yes, we've got a difficult game against Brighton, but let's see what they're like against Arsenal today. They've got to go to Arsenal yet again. Villa have chucked themselves back into the mix for European football. And Liverpool have got to play them yet. And so, you know, the, there's loads that can still happen in the remaining three games. Um, is it Stockholm Syndrome keeping in? Well, it's been there all season, Paul. <laughs> it's been there all season. And understandably so. We've got to learn to become winners. We've got to learn to have a positive mindset and not feel guilty about it. Because we're made to feel guilty about it by the press. We're made to feel guilty that we want a bit of success. Well, you know, all of these, um, you've got too high expectations and all that bullshit that gets bandied around about the Castle United fans. You know, it, it does have this element of making you, the fan base feel a little bit sort of, you know, we don't want to express this desire. 
well, we've had hope and joy throttled out of it for 14 years. And by God, it's been poured back in. We've been waterboarded with hope and joy this season. And so, um, drinking all you can and try and keep that positivity to the to the last last throw of the dice, as it were, because it's still in our hands. Yeah, definitely is. Um, the whole Isaac Wilson thing's been going on, you know, since Isaac came in, hasn't it, Stu? But I do think it gives us it gives us something different in in games when when you have one of them on the bench ready to come on and change things a little bit, you know. But um, as I say, needs must and Longstaff being out. You know, is is meant that you know we've had to have positional changes for some players. Um, in, you know, injuries creep in, and, and and it's all about being able to adapt. And suddenly, when we've been saying that we've got strength and depth, now that now that people are getting moved out of position and we're not getting wins every week, people are now saying we haven't got a big strength strength and depth. And I mean, I guess a lot of our chat on the WhatsApp group yesterday was about how many how many fullbacks we had on our bench, left backs in particular. So we didn't we haven't we didn't have strength and depth. You know, in January, we didn't really do anything to address that. We didn't have strength and depth in February, March and April. It was just that the players that we've got as part of the squad suddenly weren't injured anymore. And now that we've got one or two missing again, you know, Jamal Assel's out for the rest of the season, who's been in and around the first team but not really playing. Matt Ritchie out for the rest of the season, who's in and around the first team and part of the squad for the rest of the game. Ever rest of the, you know, has been part of the squad but not really played. Paul Dummett out again. Sean Longstaff out. It just give you know, it gives you these kind of you know, it gives it gives you that problem, doesn't it? Yeah, but if you look at the ones that are injured, you can add Kraft to that as well. Kraft as well, yeah. How many of them would be starters? And you can only see Longstaff. So it's it's the tweaks in formation that's happened. But I want to answer uh, something that Moza put on just before the ads there about the referees. Is as I understand it, the referee's job is to basically apply the law on the pitch. And just after our second penalty, Wilson was shoved in the back. Now, if he hadn't given so many penalties in that first half, that was another penalty. And and I think he was fearful of, of giving that penalty, but in isolation, that incident itself should have meant a third penalty for us. Uh, and, and that's this it's things like this that that caused their frustration. Again, not to take anything away from Leeds because they battled for what they got. Um, getting back to the Wilson and Isaac, uh, is it a conundrum? Because they're both quality players. And what you, Eddie Howe's possibly created this because he's mentioned practically every week. Uh, his mantra is, if you play well, you play next. You know, And if these people are performing well, and it's with it's such a critical stage of the season with only a few games left, what you try not to do is rock the boat and have someone sulking around the uh, training pitch and stuff like that. But if they're putting it in on the training ground and they've worked a formation out, yes, you can't take into account that we'll be fouled uh, eight times in the first uh, 11 minutes and you can't take into account that we'll concede a goal the way we did. But all these things should be legislated for and should Wilson Isaac start as a front two? Possibly, yes. Or a four-two-three-one, and have Isaac sitting behind him, but then you've got a risk of changing formations this late in the season. That's something for I think for next year. I, I can see us going four-two-three-one for next year, but this year we don't know who's fit. Miggy's still not fully fit. You can see that, uh, and he's, his confidence is missing. Um, then I've already touched on Murphy not playing. 
Uh, quite clearly, St. Maxman's not fully fit yet. He can't be if the tournament has been match fit and been any outfit. So it's using the impact subs and getting them right. And more often than not this season, Eddie Howe's got it right. So if, if we take these in consideration, will he start Isaac and Wilson again on Thursday? Probably because he stays loyal to them. And neither of them deserve to be dropped. You take into consideration that Isaac is playing slightly out of position, but he, he does well. And he has a threat. When he's on the ball, you can see the, the right back, the, the right centre back. Even at the end, they double up them, sometimes troubling up on them. And he doesn't lose it often. You know, and uh, without criticising it, Maxman, when he's doubled up on more often than not, he loses the ball. But Isaac retains it. Uh, and that's where we should be looking to exploit the, the gaps. If he's got two or three in them, then we need to move the ball quicker. Uh, and that, that's, the, that's the thing that was missing yesterday. Be a bit more incisive and a bit more direct with our passing. And we could have seen the game out. And I'm sure that's something we'll be working on in training this week. Yeah, uh, Brentford won West Ham nil. 41 minutes played. Everton nil, as you will have seen in the chat. Man City 2, apparently a wonder goal from Gundogan. And uh, Erling Haaland uh, doing what he does best, sticking the ball in the onion bag uh, to make a Man City 2 nil up at Everton. Ticketing, yeah, that, that's something which we've discussed in our uh, WhatsApp group as well this week. Stu, go with it because you mentioned it first. Just the uh, the e-ticket. Um, somebody, somebody posted something about uh, an e-ticket potentially be in the way forward at Newcastle. Um what what was your what's your thoughts on on getting rid of paper paper tickets? Because we we talked about it um I think we've talked about it a little bit about it on, on the amigos but yeah what, what's your what's your take on it? Well it's moving with the times isn't it? It's, it's something that's I think we have to accept. I don't see the the resistance against it. And it's like as long as uh, your phone scans but it, People were using e-tickets at Wembley. I know that for a fact because I've seen people using them. Just uh, you know, where your ticket scans, as long as you've got the the QR code on, you'll get in anyway. And it is more accessible. But I understand Steve Hasty's point when some people don't have phones that are compatible. Some people don't want to take the phones because they lead really busy lives and when they're out relaxing, they want to do just that. Um, but it, it is the way things are going forward. I mean, look, even supermarkets are some of them are. Uh, People less, that's probably not the right phrase, you know, but you can self-service now. Uh, and it's all just done on scans. And, and these these things, I, I don't think, should really upset anyone, to be honest. You know, well, if it does, it should be a very small minority. But we've, we've talked about before, some people aren't happy unless they're unhappy. And I think there's bigger things in life to worry about than how you get into the game. As long as you've got a ticket, whether it's on your phone or in your pocket, you've got a ticket. You know, and... For example, let's say, Steve, you've got your ticket on your phone. You could send me that QR code and I can get in the ground on your ticket, couldn't it? Of course. Yeah, we do. people do that with cinema tickets, don't they? People yeah. do that with, like, um, you know, whether it's, I don't know, uh, an app for a mobile phone company or something, and you can get, like, a cheap a cheap ticket on a Tuesday at the cinema. People do that all the time. Yeah, which takes us back to the, the fan that got banned from Leeds. You know, you could easily get in the ground anyway, so it's... So and getting an e-tickets, uh, I know Mitch mentioned that you know he got from uh, Dubai to Westminster. I don't have the ticket. Yeah, that's right. You uh, mentioned uh, that on uh, it might, you mentioned world. that on the Migos, Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's the way of the world. I'm I'm old-fashioned. I prefer like having the ticket. I prefer paying cash and stuff like that because I'm more paranoid thinking. Well, I don't want my big brother watching and knowing exactly what I'm doing with my money and where I am and stuff like that. But 
Uh, I am getting used to it now. Like here in Bahrain, they've got this thing called Benefit Pay, and you just scan your phone and it pays for your shopping and stuff like that. So that there's if that if that's what it is for a to get as long as I've got a ticket, I'm not bothered. You know, if you've yep. got to roll your left leg up to your kneecap and hop on your right leg to get in the game, then I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, Chip has is asking a question about Riyadh Air. Um, he says, when it starts, do you think Newcastle will be the first long-haul route, lads? Yes and no. It'll be one of the routes. However, uh, this is one of Mitch's favourite topics. It's about the size of the runway, isn't it? Right. Uh, or, the, or the apron, as they call it, because the type of flight that they would use of the, the new A380. Am I right with that, Mitch? I don't know. I don't know what they're buying. Actually, we had. I know they've, they've, uh, they've done a lot of spent something like seventy million US dollars on planes, um, yeah. but I don't know whether they bought three eighties or not. If they are three eighties, they need a longer runway. The seven seven sevens of the biggest thing that can land on the runway at Newcastle at the minute. And there was talk in the not too distant past about Emirates expanding the runway to get a three eighty on there. Um, so you know, I, I don't know where that's at at the moment. Well, Emirates have got plenty of money from the latest profits, haven't they? So absolutely, yes. They've made they announced their profits after after crying about putting plane tickets up in, in fuel costs for the last two years. Suddenly, they've made mega profits. There's a the thing. Mm. Okay, and do you think if VAR was run by ex-players, the amount of penalties given, etc., would increase or decrease? That's a great question, Moza. Uh, no. I, I, I just think it needs to be run in a sensible and joined up way with a higher degree of consistency. Uh, I don't think necessarily ex-players would bring that. I think an ex-player given input into some decisions might be able to have an idea of a degree of intent when it comes to things like red cards. Do you as a former player, can you see in that challenge he's gone to do them? Or do you think it's an unfortunate challenge whereby it's become dangerous, but without the intent. And I think ex-players would give fantastic and fascinating insight into that. Whether it would increase the amount of pens, I don't know. Um, what it's clear we need to do is we need to go and talk to the European leagues, in my opinion, and ask them, how the hell have you guys got this so right when we seem to be getting it so wrong? That's what we need to be doing. At the start of the season, wasn't it bringing in officials from outside of, yes. uh, outside of England? Uh, and it's, it, this conversation I had with my son yesterday, there was a Tottenham fan, and he says, oh, you're going to thrash Leeds. And now I don't mind drawing the Leeds if it keeps them up and it puts Everton down. I've got some really good friends who are Leeds fans, as long as we get Champions League. But the point I was making to him was, the, the certain referees who support, they have to name the team. I explained that. They have to name the team that they support, but that doesn't mean they don't have family members that support. And the, switching it a bit, in Scotland, this is where it becomes a lot worse because nearly half the population, well, half the population is from the Strathclyde area, which is Glasgow and the surrounding conurbation. So you're going to get the majority of referees from there. Now, they'll either be a Rangers fan or a Celtic fan. And the referees in Scotland, most of them are part-time, so they'll have their own businesses. For example, if you're a Celtic fan and you're doing a Rangers game, um, you would expect them to go against that team. But the chances are they'll end up going for them. Because if they give a decision that's totally incorrect, it affects their personal life. 
And I'm not talking yeah. about the windows getting put out. I'm talking about their business not getting trade because half the half their catchment area now thinks that they've uh, went against them. And that makes it more difficult. Um, but in the UK, I was explaining how Liverpool and Manchester United have uh, uh, the bigger fan bases. So it makes common sense that at least some of their family will be supporters of one or the other. And that's, that's where you get the favourites. It may not be him directly, but it could be his wife, it could be his father, it could be his brother, it could be his children. Uh, and with the money uh, sloshing around the Premier League, they've got enough to... And the phrase I love using is they need to protect the brand and they need to be transparent and they need to move it away from any conjecture or any possible finger pointing where... How, well, it's, it's yes, we all say it's the inconsistency and so people operate it, but the reasons given for one game on the very same day, they'll give, for giving a penalty, they'll give exactly the same incident, not a penalty, and use a different set of reasons that suits them. Whether that be someone offside in, in an offside position, but he was on the touch lead. Uh, I'm still bitter about this Casemiro goal because that was offside. But because the player who was offside wasn't the fear of play, he's in a in the box waiting for a free kick. Of course, he's interfering with play. But that doesn't count. But then they'll disallow a goal for Newcastle when the player was in an offside position, even though they make shots against Everton. Dan Burton said he was offside. Nothing to do with it. So it's these inconsistencies that it's not just Newcastle supporters, it's supporters up and down the land. It, it, it has them really, really stressed uh, in pulling the hair out because there seems to be no transparency. And apparently, well, I know for a fact, Howard Webb's going on being sports tomorrow night uh, to answer some questions. And as much as annoyance Gorilla Gloves is, I'm quite sure he'll, he'll have some tough questions for him. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what the answers are from that as well. Yeah, it will be. Um, most certainly will be. Uh, VAR needs a time limit. It seems at times they are trying to uh, their best to disallow goals or give certain yeah. decisions. Also, if they re- uh, release a brief match report after the game to explain... Uh, some of their decisions. And, of course, as Ben Jacobs pointed out a few hours ago on this platform, um, you know, referees can just decide not to go and look at the monitor and just decide right. they made, made the right decision. Um, there isn't anybody who's done do, that yet. Do you know what? I think as fans, we'd respect the referee who did that mm-hmm. more. We'll turn around and said, look, I've made my decision. That's what my decision is. I believe I'm right. And I think even if it was wrong, I think you get a little degree more respect than certainly for me, if it takes, I think I've said this before, if it takes you three minutes with VAR, five different camera angles, slow motion, uh, and God knows what else to help you to make a decision, then I would suggest it's not clear and obvious. Move on. Like the Arsenal penalty. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it, it beggars belief. Um, I saw the, the, the collage someone put on Twitter of a Maguire handball against Everton. Um, I forget what the other handball was. I think it was a Man U. It was a Liverpool handball in the box. And then uh, Wilson, the ball coming off his shoulder against Brentford. And they said one of these was given as handball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, he's, and the point's correct. You know, you've got players in the box who look like they're either communicating through the medium of expressive dance and they've got their hands all over the place and the ball's hitting their hand and that's not a handball. And then it comes off of Wilson's shoulder and it took VAR about three minutes to decide it wasn't a goal. 
Um, it's ridiculous. And it's those things, it's that level of, um, of, of poor decision-making that seems to frustrate us and the inconsistencies there. So for me, if it takes you three minutes to work it out, it's probably not a clear and obvious error and you shouldn't be involved with yourself. Yeah, um, we, don't, uh, we don't often you know, go on about our predictions on this show, Mitch, but you, you have talked a little bit uh, on a variety of shows on this platform about Manchester United. Um, mm. and, and how that takeover may, may or may not go through. Um, it, seem, it seems that you were right, mate, um, about this uh, Glazers, but a bit, a bit of fishing. The, the, the challenge is, the minute you've got Rain Group involved, that should be one of the biggest red flags for anyone. You look at how they handled the Chelsea takeover, there's still... I wouldn't even say loose threads. I think there's half knitting, half unknitting sweaters worth of uh, threads to tie up with that, even long after the sales been allowed to go through. Um, it's quite clear to me, in my opinion, that Jim Ratcliffe is everybody's preferred buyer. He's he's the Premier League's preferred buyer. Um, he's Rain Group's preferred buyer. I suspect if he's going to buy outright, he's the Glazers' preferred buyer. However, his valuation of the club was nowhere near what the Glazers wanted. If you look at the other people interested, they've had other people who want to basically take shares in Man United but leave the Glazers in control, which I don't necessarily think is what they want. But I do think they still want to remain invested in Man United and take off the profits that they can. Then out of the blue appears Sheikh Jassim, who very few people had heard of before. He's from the banking world, but there's a lot of dubious history connected with a number of banking groups he's been involved with. His personal wealth is said to be 1.7 billion. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he says, ah, but I've got a foundation, it's called the 9-2 Foundation, and that's going to help fund everything. So you're telling me there's a foundation out there that's got about $7 billion in the bank, but was never mentioned anywhere before the 14th of February this year. You're telling me there's a foundation out there with that amount of money in the bank that doesn't have a physical address, it doesn't have a digital presence, you can't pick the phone up and speak to somebody there. It's very difficult to work where they're from. Um, you're also telling me there's a foundation out there that's willing to invest nearly 100% of what they are worth into another business and put everything at risk for that business. No, that, that, that's, that's a crazy business decision. There only seems to be three pictures of Sheikh Jassim, which feels very Benzayed Group and Sheikh Khaled-like to me. The, the vibes are just very similar. Um, the Sun even ran with a picture of a different Prince Jassim at the weekend, which was quite amusing. <laughs> it's like, no, that's the wrong one. Um, you know, and, and it shows you how shady that all is. If, if you want my honest opinion, and it's been all along, you guys have seen it in writing from day one, um, was that they're a Stockland horse bid, and the whole design was to make Ratcliffe increase his value for Man United. And lo and behold, out of the round three of Britain, it turns out 
Ratcliffe's valuation of Man United is now the biggest amongst all of the people interested, and yet leaves wiggle room for the Glazers to maintain some percentage and then therefore rake in the profits like that they have done but without the, the hassle of having to run the club. And that does seem to be the rather the preferred outcome for Man United owners, for the Premier League, for Rain Group, who I'm sure will make a fantastic profit for that services. Um, job done, and aren't we the saviours of football? Because we've stopped this nasty Middle Eastern money coming into the Premier League again, and we've got a good, solid British owner for a good, solid British club. Let's all pat ourselves on the back Premier League and go forward, and Newcastle United can remain the brown-skinned enemy from the East. Because this morning on TalkSport, there was some knacker going on somehow about how we can't complain about Eddie Howe being attacked on the pitch because our owners are from Saudi Arabia now. Yeah, I heard that. Fuck you, join those dots, I don't know. But uh, you must be wearing a different pair of glasses to the kind that I wear. Um, and so that to me all along seems to have been the, 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 the way it was going to go. Um, the random that came into the mix was the Finnish lad who wanted to buy half of it and get the fans by the other half. Um, and I did say at one point, I believe that somebody would chuck their toys out of the cot over the third round of bidding. I thought that would be the time that Sheikh Jassim would exit stage left and say, well, there you go, we're not being treated fairly and a nice little out for him to just disappear off into the sunset. But it turned out it was the Finnish guy that threw his toys out of the cot over that, but never mind. You know, um, I think my success rate rate on that all was still quite good. But that's that's what it seemed like to me all along, and that's how it seems to be getting ready to play out. Um, Jake Jassim seems to have somebody who was communicating with a couple of journalists. Um, but uh, again, that's fair enough. That That's his version of Midhat on the end of the phone. I'm quite sure of that. And so... Um, that's the way it seems to be playing out. And I don't think Man United and their fan base have really done themselves any favour by twerking for Middle Eastern money after trying to be holier than now about us being bought by Saudi Arabia. At the end of the day, football clubs, football owners, football teams and supporters constantly show this inability to work together as a, as, as a group. It's all about us and only ever about us and F the lot of you else um, And I think we blog and store and remember some of the things that have been said during this time and some of the things that have gone unsaid in the press at the same time. They've not had the same level of battery that we got over human rights, um, even though I think it's quite clear that if you had a human rights off between Qatar and Saudi Arabia, essentially there wouldn't be, there'd be a Rizla paper between the two of them in some respects. Yes, the Middle East's improving. Stu and I both live in parts of the Middle East and we love it. Uh, we love the direction that the region is going in. There genuinely are generational changes happening in, in minutes at times here. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's criticism which is right and ready and should be given where due. Um, however, football fans aren't here to solve that. Um, but it's quite, it's not been lost on me that Man United and Man United fans have had less of a hard raid off the press than we ever got. Uh, and I, I, I want to get that. They are the establishment. We are threatening the establishment. And it's the fear that caused 
you know, I mean, all these geopolitical experts all of a sudden and human rights activists. But they, what you said about rain, how many cut-off dates have they had? You know, they keep saying There's, there's always a movable feast, mate, and that's, that's, that you're right. That's another thing that screams, this is dodgy as F to me. Mm-hmm. They're playing high-stakes poker, and they, what, they, what they're not doing is they're reading the room properly. Rain are doing it for their own money. They'll, the higher the bid, the more commission they get. That's that's clear. Uh, but Radcliffe hasn't become as wealthy as he has by throwing away stupid money. This is why he still wants the Glazers in, so he doesn't have to commit as much to it. The fans don't want the Glazers in, so they don't want Radcliffe, even if it's only a 20% stake. And we would have been the same if PAF bought Newcastle and actually retained 20. We'd want them out. So that bit, you can understand what the fans are saying. But it would be very interesting with this high-stakes poke I was referring to if Ratcliffe withdrew his bid and then seeing what happened. Because you'll find, as much as the fans are, and I we use the phrase twerking a lot, but twerking for uh, Jazim to actually have the money that he's claiming to have. But if he's the only bid, let's see if, where his money is and where's, where's he getting it from. Because that has to go through an owners and directors test. You've got to declare where you're getting the money from. You can't just say it's this foundation that was just being created uh, and that doesn't even exist. You know, so where you get the money from, just like we had to, and as long as it's all done fairly, what you'll find is the, the preferred bit, of course, the one they don't want Man United tarnished the way Newcastle were. Uh, and that's going to, it's a tricky game and I think there'll be at least another two rounds of bidding and this will go on in the summer. And when Man United don't get top four next season, it'll be that reason and that reason alone even though they spend just about as much as anyone every window. So let them crack on with us. We're going the right way and we'll finish the Champions League. Great stuff, lads. As always, that hour has flown over. Big shout out to Al in the chat as well. He's just joined us a little bit later there, mate, but I uh, hope you're doing well, Al Uh Lads, great to see you. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. I'm back tomorrow night, six o'clock with the fans forum. Enjoy the football today. Take care. Cheers, Cheers. Cheers.